0: Yeah, do you think the cats feel that it's a blessing too when the owner's home all the time?
1: Uh, <laughs> not, not the ones that are leopards, right?
2: <laughs> sorry for
1: saying. Sorry, Media
2: presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats. Keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek.
0: Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kerpenstein, and this is the Purr Podcast, and I'm so excited to be back with you all because we have a special edition. Uh, Dr. Susan will not be here, but we have our favorite guest podcast co-host, Dr. Kelly Saint-Denis. Yay, Kelly.
3: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me to co-host
0: again. Very <laughs> excited. Yeah, I, I'd already said in the beginning when we were talking uh, amongst each other that uh, uh, you are our favorite co-host. Oh. As a matter of fact, you're the only one,
3: <laughs> oh, so, <no. laughs> and,
0: but still our favorite because you did such a good job last time. And I'm, I'm very excited too because the, the person that we invited today, I wanted to have on the podcast already for at least the existence of this podcast so um, I always refer to um, the Canadian cat experts as this very tight group Um, it's a relatively I mean it's a big country but there are so many famous cat people uh, global cat people and and Liz is definitely one of those and I'm very excited to uh, to have her on the podcast so Kelly would you like to introduce her
3: Yes, I'd like to welcome our guest tonight, Dr. Liz O'Brien, who is also a cat specialist, has been much longer than I have, um, and has two cat practices quite near my home in southern Ontario in Hamilton and Ancaster, and she is our fearless leader for the Cat Healthy
1: Program in Canada, so welcome, Liz. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me. It's easy to be a fearless leader when you have such a, a team to lead, that's for sure. (laughs) <laughs> Very blessed. <laughs>
3: yeah. And as Yola was saying, there's really there's only six of us in Canada, so it's it's quite a tight knit group, really. It but really it, is. It,
0: it's interesting, though, Liz, that that um, if if you would name the say the ten most famous cat veterinarians in the world, you are in. Oh, you are all in the top ten. So it's six people from Canada, and then there's of course a lot of other people around, but. Yeah. But how, how is that you think, why, why is that?
1: You know what, Canada is a fabulous place to live. I think in all honesty, I think we have a, a great education system. I think all of us uh, uh, had a great foundation and I think um, Canadians are fearless. Like it's, I, I think with anything, when you want to um, move ahead, you have to challenge yourself and it's not easy to do, right? And uh, I think the six of us, all of us, for um, our own individual reasons, decided to seek out uh, board certification in felines, and we are passionate about the feline. Um, and I think you know we all had a great foundation to achieve that goal. You know, we're pretty, pretty uh, a dedicated uh, uh, a group of people. And I'd encourage anyone listening to this, if you're even thinking about becoming board certified, and I'm sure Kelly would uh, say the same thing look into it there's lots of mentorship programs it has changed our lives and it's not just becoming board certified it's the process of it that that you grow you develop and and um, and then you get to to have you know a, a Friday evening with great people and and chatting about cats so it's all great.
0: And that's and and that is awesome. I think I think that uh, that you're so right in that and and in a lot of countries uh, the D word is most of the time mentioned the most except in Canada it's the it's the cat the cat is and number cats. one and 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 interestingly enough I think in most uh, regions cats are are there are more cats than dogs. Uh, 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 as companion animal so but uh, but I, I always am amazed by when I go to lectures it is I say it's a 50 minute lecture it is 45 minutes about the d and then they say, oh I forgot to say oh we need to say something about the cat too yeah. and yeah. and and I'm really happy that Dr. Susan and I uh, got to get this podcast in the air so we can only talk about cats because we don't talk about the d board here
3: It is so much fun and fantastic. And I remember when I started going to like all cat lectures, this where they weren't talking about dogs. It was just, wow, this is so amazing, right? You just delve in and it's exciting.
1: You know, I I often think... we uh, how we're taught in in most veterinary schools and how we learn at most conferences unless you're going to a feline only conference or you're listening to a feline a per podcast we're we're taught companion animals and the dogs uh, or the d word sorry um are, are are just melted in with cats but you know when i look at large animal medicine they separate out the ruminants from the horses and and i think honestly cats are as different from dogs as horses are to cows and they really should be they they deserve the most popular companion animal they deserve to have their own place in the sun in every educational program whether that's the tech schools whether that's shelter medicine whether that's vet schools and and i think all the feline specialists in canada would love to see you know that happening where where cats are just taught as an individual species and certainly you know opportunities like the per podcast or or afp conferences abvp where it's just feline only or all these un- isfm wonderful feline um, um only opportunities for ce really emphasize the amount that we need to know just about the feline
0: yeah it's really a specialty yeah, if you think about it uh, and and we always talk about the differences mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's interesting when, when when we have these combined lectures, most of the time the title is the D is of the cat is not a small D. Yes. And that already says everything.
1: Yes. It already says it, right? <laughs> it does you know and and kelly and i were talking a little bit before um you joined us and and i often think people think well well you're a feline specialist or you're in a cat only practice right it's different but you know there is a cat clinic within every companion animal hospital Mm -hmm. it just you know and i if people leave with one pearl today it's look at how your hospital is and it doesn't have to be grandiose with a separate entrance anything like that but within every companion animal hospital you can make a a area that's a cat practice and how you handle the the cats how your team's educated about the feline you know and whether you even have separate exam rooms whatever it is there's a cat clinic within every companion animal practice.
0: Yeah, that's great. Answer. And without giving you a timestamp, when you started, yes, uh, a year or two ago, in yeah. your practice.
1: <laughs> with my gray hair, 36 years, I'm okay to admit it.
0: <laughs> so when you started 36 years ago, how was it and what did you do how did you transform to be this amazing cat veterinarian
1: well you know what there was not very much afp was really in the early stages so Mm. we would go to the afp conference every year that was like uh, that was sacred time um i remember my mentor um Uh, Dr. Sandra Chernesky, she used to drive down um, to Buffalo because that was the only place that she could get feline only CE. So she'd be driving through snowstorms to hear people like Dr. Barbara Stein and Dr. John August lecture on felines, you know, work the day, drive to Buffalo, cross the border, do lectures all night, get home at midnight one in the morning. I mean, that was how you had to learn about cats. I mean, there were hardly any textbooks, and still are hardly any textbooks. You know, with respect to the feline. Um, you know, we've got very few Dr. Littles, really. So uh, it was a challenge. And and people would kind of say, "Oh, you do just cats." Even even people at a um, at a, a, a function, a cocktail party, they'd look at you like, "What's wrong with you? You just do cats, <laughs> right?" Yeah.
3: I remember when I opened my cat practice and my brother-in-law at the time said to me, so like, when are you going to start seeing dogs in your practice too? <laughs> they thought right. that was such a preliminary thing that I was getting set up. And then, you know, dogs were going to come in. I was like, never.
1: no." Dog. I know. And, and and people would say to me, so what do you do there? <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you have a surgical suite? Yes, it's an animal hospital. But that's a, oh, it, they really, it, it's very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, how it is. But it, that's shifted, right? And thank goodness that's shifting. And, you know, cats are the most popular companion animal. And honestly, people are becoming more educated about their, their feline patients. And COVID really, we've all had hard times, et cetera. Um, but a lot of the clients now are really starting to become aware of the behavior of their cat their normal behavior and their abnormal behavior and and that's new that's quite new that our clients are actually starting to to recognize things and and my history taking is a bit different than it used to be it used to be try and draw out you know when was your cat last 100 percent was the question because they didn't really know he just all of a sudden didn't seem himself could have been a day could have been a week could have been months right um whereas now I find that they are home with their cats, they're watching and they're noticing. So it's it's a blessing in that way.
0: Yeah, do you think the cats feel that it's a blessing too when the owner's home all the time?
1: Uh, <laughs> not, sure about that. Not, sure. not, not the ones that are leopards, right? <laughs> uh, I think they just bug for food
3: more. So maybe they do like it. I don't
1: know. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. I heard some rumors that the no, and maybe Liz, you can confirm or not confirm this, that the number of stressed cats have increased since COVID because they're kind of stressed out that so many things are happening and so many children at home and, you know, everybody's active and there's no quiet moment in the house anymore.
1: I agree at first, but, you know, I'm wondering how much it's just that cats don't like change. Right. Yeah. The cats hate change. That's why, you know, when we're we're talking about, you know, when we, we talk about switching diets for cats, how we have to do it so gradually. Is it that they don't like the new diet? Is it gonna cause GI upset? Not necessarily. It's just cats hate change, right? So so because I think at first I saw a lot of cats really stressed, and now I'm not seeing it as much. I think they're getting used to it. And I think we're gonna have another stress situation when people start to head back. Um, Because people are the cats are getting used to. Yeah, you know what? Dad's in Zoom meetings, but I'm sitting on his lap or I'm sitting on his desk. So at first they hate change, and I think the change was more so than than the the noise, et cetera. And now they're kind of used to it. It might be worse coming back too,
3: because people will be sort of doing part of their time at home and part of their time at work. Because there's a lot
1: of that going to be going.
3: Yes,
0: so you don't think that the cats will be dancing on the furniture when you decide to go back full time working.
1: No, I thought they would be at first. I really did because I saw a lot of stressed cats. And I'd have clients say, you know, she's not eating much. Well, did you watch her eating before? Well, she, I thought, you know, they're all of a sudden noticing all this and they're over the cat's food bowl. And we know cats, you know, are solo eaters. They don't want their the clients over there. So, but I think now the cats have adjusted. And I think now we're going to have another stress when people go back, they won't be dancing on the on the couches.
0: Yeah that that's great. So so one of the topics we would love to talk a little bit about too because you are also uh one of the originators with like the troop of bi- of the like the big six uh big cat six. feds of cat healthy in uh, in Canada. So how did that start and what is it exactly?
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting. So how did it start? You know what? I'll go it started because in my community here in Hamilton, um, our shelter decided to do a year of the cat because they felt that people weren't aware of the needs of the cat, um, that they were getting all kinds of different mixed messages. And basically they wanted to create awareness about, about cats, um, whether it's spay and neuter, whether it's environmental needs, whatever. And what they found was they were trying to join up with the Veterinary Association. And then we had the shelter And then we had, um, you know, our our pet retailers. And what we found was that everyone was giving a different message. So when when someone would adopt a kitty cat at their shelter, they would give a message and then they would, you know, maybe go to the, the pet store to get food or litter boxes or whatever. And the person at the pet store would give them a different message as to what the cat needed. And then they might venture to the vet and the vet teams would give different messages. So the idea was number one, let's get a unified message about what the needs are and based on on science and that those needs are whether it's it we're, we're looking at preventative health care uh, protocols obviously like parrot what are the, the needs for parasiticides what are the needs for for vaccinating your indoor cat you know and we know that we have fabulous um, protocols from say the AFP we weren't there to reinvent the wheel we just wanted to look at what protocols were out there and make them um, readily available for not just veterinary teams but for shelters for people at pet stores and it was kind of really trying to get everyone to work together to give the same message based on the science that's already out there so it was kind of a my idea of hey let's collaborate with the shelters let's uh, collaborate with them the the pet specialty groups and and breeders and and the veterinary groups and give a, a, a constant unified message about the needs of the cat.
3: And you have some pretty exciting stuff that you do with the shelter with Cat Healthy that not all yeah. of us are involved in, but you've been pretty happy. Yes,
1: yes, we did. Um, we had a and and still have, and it's still being used, a Cat Healthy checklist. So, you know, we often, we know that um, before COVID um, and, and still now, um, a lot of people adopt their kitty cat from the shelter. And, you know, the shelters are doing a great job at spaying and neutering these kitty cats. And basically we have a... Uh, overpopulation crisis of felines and I'm all behind these shelters having those cats spayed and neutered or we were with cat healthy as well as they're leaving out the door and they 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 do a very good foundation for for vaccinating them and for deworming them and for microchipping them and all of that but people often would leave the shelter thinking my cat's all done so therefore maybe they weren't as kittens getting filucafavir tested they weren't getting feluk vaccines they might only have one panleukopenia upper rest vaccine they may or may not have a rabies vaccine but because they were already spayed neutered in quotations vaccinated dewormed people thought they were all done so the cat healthy checklist is basically what the shelters do is use the the checklist is based on our protocols so based on what the six specialists in Canada felt were the preventive health care needs of a kitten and of an adult cat and the shelter checks off what the cat has had and then highlights based on the protocols what the kitty cat still needs and really interesting because before that time we were not really seeing kittens and cats coming from the shelters. Um, but what they said to people were, do you have a veterinarian? And it was very interesting. And the pilot project showed between 78 to 93% of people adopting their cat from these three shelters said, yes, we do have a veterinarian. Some of them would we didn't even know they were our clients but they'd heard about us they considered they came 20 years ago with their last cat. we were their veterinarians um and and whatever hospital is their veterinarians so if if they chose a veterinarian the shelter makes lets them um lets that veterinarian know hey guess what you have a new patient and they'll send the medical records and they'll send the checklist home um with the client and it was amazing clients would be phoning like saying my cat's due for boosters in three weeks and I know he needs an additional deworming and there's some blood work you need to do. So mm-hmm. compliance was enormous and again it's that cat healthy unified message. The shelter was giving the, the new cat families the same information Um, from Cat Healthy that we would give as veterinarians on the needs of that kitty cat. So, you know, we're kind of thinking outside the box and I think about Cat Healthy is building a bridge, building the bridge between the cat families and the veterinarians and the shelters and the veterinarians and the pet real um, specialty stores. So it's been very effective. Yeah, and I
0: love that idea. I think it's so it, it's brilliant. And and is it only in Canada where you do that? Or is it? Yes,
1: a- right now only in Canada. It It's a, a um, we were just getting ready to, to do more of it when COVID hit. And then of course, many of our shelters closed down for a bit. Adoptions were down, etc. And they were dealing with enough just with COVID. But hopefully when this is pandemics all behind us, you know, we can uh, um, continue to to expand that and hopefully i'd love it to be a global project for cat healthy really i think it's you know it's um it's been very very effective yeah, and you know so- what it's it's built the it's built the relationships it's improved the relationships between the veterinarians and the shelter as well yeah. right yeah. and we're all on this for the same thing we want the yeah. cat to be cared for
0: and it makes so much sense and i love the idea to have that as a global initiative because it it it's the same issue everywhere in the world you know uh, when I was still in global, we talked about it a lot. Uh, and, uh, and so that that's great. So the reach of cat healthy is mainly focused on Canada or is it North America?
1: Um, we have we have projects that we work with with different companies in in the states um, in Japan um, so you know there's little pockets of, of cat healthy um, in different parts of the world. I, I see when they look at the website or the protocols you know we see downloads from uh, veterinary uh, team members from really all over the world so it's 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 been very, Um, effective that way could it still grow do we want it to still grow absolutely
0: yeah and and then how is then the relation because i i always decided of i always thought that the world was divided in two parts one is afp and the other part is isfm so where does cat healthy fit
1: uh, we're the, the we're we're just you know what we're collaborative with everyone. I think yeah. that's the whole thing. We're not out to reinvent a wheel. Um, we have um, a memorandum of understanding with with AFP um, that you know what we are promoting cat friendly practice and the new cat friendly certifications. Nothing we want more um, um, is for that to be successful, right? It's it's right. all a win win, and it's it's not a competitive. Uh, yeah, we're not that competitive um, that's not what we're about. We're about getting the information out there and uh, and getting accurate information out there and joining with others to, you know, I, I think build on each other's foundations.
0: Yeah, and I love that. I think that, that yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think some of your toolkits are very practical and should be used by others too. I mean that's the, that's the whole idea, you know of spreading cat love. Uh, to uh, owners and shelters and veterinarians, you can only do that by sharing your information. You, so, you can uh, only
1: do that, and you know we had, um, we've had, we have numerous industry partners and companies involved with Cat Healthy, and it very much is when I'm talking to them. Leave your hat at the door. You're come in as um, a collaborative group to support cats, and so it's it's been fabulous that way. To to see different industry partners work together for the same cause, you know?
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. Kelly.
1: Kelly. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it's,
3: it's been a it's been a fantastic experience. I was the last one to come on board with the Cat Healthy because I'm
1: more, more than than younger. <laughs> She's a young one.
3: I still that behind the years, right? <clears throat> yeah, but but the experience has been fantastic working with industry partners working with other feline groups and then even the the shelter program i because i'm living in the same area that liz lives in that shelter program that got started i was able to experience as a veterinarian so we would have that very experience where people would um, adopt a kitten and then we'd hear from the shelter that you know so and so adopted a kitten and here's the information and then we could reach out to them and be proactive again about making sure oh like congratulations and you need to come in and these vaccines are now due that kind of thing so that's
1: and another. and you, yeah and and you know i i we talk about um the cat being an an individual important species but cat clients are also that way mm-hmm. they're not like d clients at all and <laughs> i often think that cat clients are like the cat you have to win them over yeah. they have to be convinced a little bit. I always say it's like planting a seed. Plant that seed when a cat's young that you're gonna have to start doing, you know, um, a routine um, uh, 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 screening and early disease detection when they're seven. Start the client when the cat's a kitten. Hey, the next step is, and the next step is. And so I think the great thing with the shelter checklist is the seeds planted and the seeds planted not by a a veterinary member it could be the vet from the shelter but the seeds planted and then as clinicians and as veterinary teams we just have to start watering the seed and give it sunshine and uh and and you get compliance it's amazing
0: and i love that idea and it 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 reminds me always of uh, me as a young kid with the dentist you know uh I, I, as a kid, I probably would never want to go to a dentist ever in my life again, but they made me think about that and and they, they are so good in following up and reminding people and why is it important and and then sending reminders out and that sort of thing. So although there may be a little bit more commercial here in the US, but even the dentist or the, the dental associations in, in Europe were still really good in reminding people why it's so important to come. And I think that is one of the reasons that in a lot of countries, cat owners are seen as people that don't wanna bring their cat to the vet. And it's all because of our communication in the beginning. I'm totally, totally there with you.
1: Totally, right? And they have a not a good experience and, and we're not acting like their cat's important, right? Like right. obviously we do in a cat clinic, but but yeah, it it really really makes a difference. And we did on the one pilot project, um, the very first one. If they if they came to the vet, and they're they're paying the regular fees. There's no free visit none of that like the veteran the the medicine we all felt this cat healthy uh specialist that the veterinary teams we didn't want to undervalue anything that they do so that yep. we don't have anything free but we did have a a thing where they would get a, a free toy because we were get, getting into environmental needs um if they came to the clinic and 90 5% of them didn't even ask about the toy. And when you told them, they said, oh, that's right. They came because they were educated. They didn't yep. come for the freebie. They didn't come um, for the toy. They didn't come to get their name in the big climber we gave out for that first pilot project. We soon realized as soon as you educate those people, as soon as you educate cat cat clients, wow. You know, your compliance is, is 100% through the roof.
0: It's like build it and they will come. Yes. yes. That's right. exactly so. So, last question uh, before because it goes so fast uh, when we have an engaging speaker like this. Uh, the last question is: so, what is the the latest activity of Cat Healthy?
1: The latest activity of Cat Healthy, I believe, is that we're going to be rebuilding our website, just making it a little more accessible for the protocols, and also we have these great protocols. The focus is going to be. Um, helping veterinary teams um, learn how to use the the protocols they're really practical they're really easy to use how to l- each section how do we use it as practitioners in a, in, in a, in a practice to uh, gain compliance and, and help our, our feline patients so I think that's the big thing we've built the protocols. now we're going to really focus on how to use them right
0: right that, that, that's it and, and where can they find more information?
1: at
0: cathealthy.ca cathealthy.ca so we'll put that in the show notes too uh yep. and and thank you Liz this has been great thank you Kelly for uh, being on with us uh and this is the per podcast i uh, really really enjoyed this uh, this discussion and the best news is you'll be back next week Liz so uh, <laughs> uh it only takes a week and then we can talk more so exactly. i'm excited <laughs> So thank you so much and if you like the Per Podcast please uh, give us a good uh, review. Uh, you can reach us anywhere we are at uh, perpodcast.net uh, or a social media handle at perpodcast. So thank you Kelly for being a wonderful co-host. Thank you and we'll,
3: you. See you we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye bye, thank you.
2: It's been fun. with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove bite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at Per Podcast.